We're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 16 again tonight, and uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we do come before Your throne, O God. We come looking for grace, for help in time of need, and Lord, there's certainly need. We Not, not a one of us um, go a moment without needing Your grace. We pray for this uh, young man, uh, Travis and Shiloh's son. We ask for a good outcome there. We pray that they be able to uh, help him and whatever by doing whatever is necessary, Lord, uh, that the seizures stop. We ask for your intervention and uh, pray for uh, healing, recovery. We do pray for Ken's sister-in-law and lift her up as well. Again, Lord, um, asking for your intervention, asking that you move in this situation, grant healing. Lord, may they know your grace, comfort of your presence, and be strengthened in you. Lord, um, we do pray for Mike Murray, for Tommy Rainbolt. Lord, all of these that have been mentioned, we, we uh, come, Lord, earnestly desiring their well-being, both physically and spiritually. We're thankful that you're in control and that there's not one Thing that happens in this world that goes unseen by you. Everything is in your sovereign care. We do look to you and ask again in each of these situations, Lord, that you grant your grace. May each one of these individuals know you in truth and know the comfort that only comes through the knowledge of You. Know Your saving grace and know Your healing power. Lord, we pray that You grant us understanding as we look at this passage tonight. We, we thank You for the privilege of being able to go through and study Your Word verse by verse. Lord, by Your grace, we've covered another book from the New Testament, and Lord, um, we're thankful for that. And again, ask for your blessing, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to I look at these last few verses, and this is just Paul's outgoing here his, in this letter, his con- conclusion and uh, um, salutation or you know, greet, final greeting here as he signs off, basically, uh, in this letter. Verse 19, I'm going to read 19 through 24. The churches of Asia send you greetings, Aquila and Prisca, together with the church in their house, send you hearty greetings in the Lord. All the brothers send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. 
our Lord come. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. Well, verses 19 through 20 um, are just um, what you would expect at the end of a letter. I mean, these are, these are just words to, uh, uh, from and to particular people, as Paul um, writes, from Ephesus, um, from Asia, as he mentioned here. And, of course, that's uh, a uh, region in, in the a- ancient Roman Empire. It's not talking about the continent of Asia, what we know as of Asia today. Uh, this, this is where you know, the seven churches were that Jesus writes to in Revelation, uh, sends letters to in Revelations 2 and 3, um, and Ephesus, of course, being one of those. So Paul says the churches of Asia, that is the congregations there in, in, the, in the province of Asia, Roman province of Asia, send you greetings. So, again, there's, there's some uh, implied unity here and and uh, Paul's been stressing that in the letter. In other words, we're not, we're not islands unto ourselves. We're all part of something great here, something bigger than ourselves. And I mean bigger than ourselves individually, bigger than our own congregation. We're all part of the universal body of Christ. And so Paul says, The churches here in Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Prisca, or Priscilla, uh, can be written. Aquila and Priscilla, together with the church in their house. You know, they didn't have... Um, nice buildings like we have today. Um, they met uh, from house to house. You see that even in the, in the book of Acts, even in Jerusalem where they had the temple, they, they would meet uh, in the temple for worship, but then also uh, from house to house the Christians would get together. Well, out in the, in the pagan world like in Corinth and, and Ephesus and so forth, it, you know, they didn't even have a, a, a Jewish temple to gather in. So um, they met in homes. And so you, we've already seen references um, such as this, the churches in their house. So there was a congregation, in other words, meeting in the house of Aquila and Priscilla. So Paul says they send you greetings as well. Um, they send you hearty greetings, he says, in the Lord. All the brothers send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Um, this is one of those things that I think is... Uh, uh, relative to the culture, <laughs> some things are, some things aren't, uh, and uh, I think this is because I think the main point here is to be hospitable, to be loving, and in our day and time, um, just for example, you know, men kissing men in the United States of America, uh, you know, it, it's, it's probably not going to go over real well in the churches. I mean, you know, if you, you try this. I mean, there, there are some that do it, you know, but I think this, what Paul's talking about here is a, is a common custom in his day. You still see it in the Middle East today um, and, and some other places as well, but they still do that in the Middle East. You know, they, they kiss on the sides of the cheek, and uh, it was a form of greeting, customary form of greeting. And, and so Paul um, sanctifies it, so to speak, you know, in other words, it's not, for the Christians, it's not just a habit, it's a holy kiss. It's, it's, a, it's a transfer, you know, of expression of love among Christian brothers. Um, so he says, greet one another um, with a holy kiss. And it's interesting, though, that he says that where he does. I was looking at a, uh, I hadn't thought about this, but I, I was looking at a, uh, one of the commentaries, and he mentioned that, uh, that it, 
it, it seems as though Paul is telling the congregation to do this. And so, so I mean, like when, when the letter's being read, and I thought, well, that hadn't dawned on me before. That makes sense. So it's almost like when you go into churches today and they say, you know, turn around and tell your, <laughs> tell your neighbor good morning. Give your neighbor a, a handshake or a hug or something like that. Because here they are gathered and they're listening to this letter being read. And at the close, Paul says, greet one another with a holy kiss. So it does seem like he's meaning do it now. You know, we're, we're sending you greetings from Asia. Now you greet one another with a, with a holy kiss. And, of course, too, he probably has in mind the letter bearers, um, probably Stephanus and Fortunatus and um, Achaicus, as they return from Ephesus, bring this letter back. Um, presumably they're the ones that bring this letter back. And they return to Corinth. And they're being, the Corinthians are being instructed to receive them and greet them with a holy kiss, as well as, as I mentioned, probably one another. So all of those things are just customary, basic, not, not meaningless, though, not just mere habit, but uh, he's, he's, it's another way of saying, love one another and express your love from, for one another. Be unified in the Lord. You notice that phrase again in verse 19. We send you, they send you hearty greetings in the Lord. Now, closing, verse 21 through 24, you've got, interestingly, um, Paul's blessing, is which, he, which he does customary. In fact, his, his writing, the, the, the closing um, greeting like this is customary for Paul. It, it authenticates it. Uh, he would, have, he would dictate, others would write the letters, usually. Galatians is apparently an exception to that. looks like he, he wrote Galatians with himself originally. But he would dictate, have others write the letters, and then he would write the final greeting as kind of an authentication, like, like signing it. And so he does that here in verse 21 through 24. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. So he's letting them know at this point in the letter, I'm writing this myself. And he goes on to give the customary grace to you type blessing, which is so common in his letters. But one thing that is somewhat unique here is this pronouncement of curse, cursing. Anathema is the Greek word there. It means to be, as it is translated, to be accursed. And notice how he says this. If anyone has no love for the Lord, and that is a reference to Jesus. <laughs> if anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Now that's hard, isn't it? And notice the qualifier. And this is what really gets distorted in our day, blurred. In, in the world, people who, and, and this is, I think this is getting to be less and less people, but people who actually believe there is a heaven and a hell, or at least profess that kind of thing, you know, there's, that there's going to be um, reward and damnation, Still, many of them out there have the idea that only the worst of the worst of the worst, by our standards apparently, the worst of the worst of the worst are going to suffer damnation. So, I mean, you think of people like maybe 
Adolf Hitler. I don't know, a Jeffrey Dahmer, a Ted Bundy or something. You, you know, you, you think of the worst of the worst of the worst. People who have committed violent crimes against individuals or against humanity. And just generally speaking, people are kind of okay with that because they see that as a form of justice. They think, you know, what, look what they did here. Stalin was... I think responsible for like 50 million or more deaths. Is that about right, Ronnie? Yeah, something like that. Incredible. Adolf Hitler, I don't know what the totals were, but 6 million Jews. Jews weren't the only ones. That's why I say I don't know what the total was. It was, it was high, but 6 million Jews. That alone would be enough, right? United States of America, so far 55 million babies slaughtered in the last 40 years legally now a lot of people would argue against that deserving punishment but you go back to Stalin and Hitler and so forth and people will say oh yeah I can see where you know they did such horrible things they're going to they're going to be damned but notice what Paul says here if you love not the Lord. If anyone has no love for the Lord, that's, that's what he's saying is going to be the cause of damnation. It's like in John, I, when I preached last week at uh, the, the jail out here, I talked to him about who Jesus is. And Jesus told the Jews in John chapter 8, if you do not believe that I am He, or literally in the Greek, it's worded this way. If you do not believe that I am, it's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. If, because I am is, in the Old Testament, it's the name for God. Jesus said, if you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. And that's usually translated, if you do not believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. So I talked to him about, who is He? You know, who is Jesus? Who is He claiming to be? It matters, doesn't it? Because he says, if you do not believe that I am He, you'll die in your sins. Well, then it matters who He is and, and whether or not we believe it. That's similar here. That's the determiner as to um, what our end is. Cursing, or cursed, should say, or blessing. Eternal damnation, eternal salvation. And the determiner is, according to Paul here, according to Jesus, Jesus says, if you do not believe, Paul says it this way, if you have no love for the Lord. If, you, if anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Damn. It's the idea there. Eternally, we know from other passages, eternally separated from God. That's what we were talking about a moment ago. Eternally separated from the one who is goodness. The one who is embodied. He, he defines grace, mercy, love. So, eternal separation from Him. That's why Jesus describes it as outer darkness. That's why He says in 
Isaiah says there will there sh- there be weeping, gnashing of teeth. It pictures agonizing suffering because you're separated from everything that is good. Cursed. If you have no love for the Lord. So the qualifier is not, do I go to church? Do I call myself a Christian? It's not even, do I believe? If, if, all, that, if all that we mean by that is, do I believe that Jesus existed? It's one of the things I told them last week. I mean, I, I believe in Abraham Lincoln, if you know what I mean. I mean, I believe he was a historical figure. We're told, we're told that he was the President of the United States. Well, I don't know anybody old enough to remember that. <laughs> Do you? I saw a guy on YouTube recently. He, he was, uh, I mean, I, I saw it recently. He wasn't on there recently. but um, In the 1950s, it was a game show. I can't remember the name of it. But in the 1950s, there was a game show, and they, they would bring an individual out, and he would tell a little bit about his, you know, some experience he was supposed to be known for, he or she was supposed to be known for, and the pan, you know, the, the guess they had to guess what what it was that they were connected with, and so they brought this guy out. He was 96 years old, and I can't remember his name either, but you could Google it and find out. But he was 96 years old, and he witnessed the murder of Abraham Lincoln. He was five year old boy at the time in the theater with his parents when uh, Abraham Lincoln was gunned down. And he, and he remembered John Wilkes Booth jumping from the balcony down on the stage. And in 1950-whatever-it-was, uh, he was 96 years old. But I don't know anybody here that witnessed that. I don't know anybody alive that witnessed that. How do I know that? Game show tape wasn't doctored, you know, and made up. You know what I'm saying? We, we got second-hand information that tells us about, at least second-hand information that tells us about Abraham Lincoln, but I believe it. I believe he was president. I believe he existed. And that's the way some people are about Jesus. I mean, they, well, yeah, I believe it. I believe, I believe in Jesus. I believe, they'll even go so far as to say things like the demons do. I believe He's the Son of God. I believe there's one God. As James says, demons believe that. That's not saving faith. Demons would fall down before Jesus and said, You're the Holy One of God. They knew who He was. They believed in that sense. You know what they didn't do? Love Him. They didn't love Him. And because they didn't love Him, they wouldn't submit to Him. Oh, they had to, they had to bow for a moment you know, in His presence. I mean, they couldn't. They, they would just fall down and cry out. But they didn't love Him. They, they didn't want to serve Him, know Him, be with Him. So, so that's the qualifier. Do, do you love Him? Do you trust Him? Do you follow Him? Do you desire Him? Do you know Him? Do you want to know Him better? Do you want to be with Him? Remember the disciples, I, I think, my, my, we'll see when we get to John. My memory may not be serving me. I think it was James and John. Maybe wrong. But... They, they heard when John the Baptist said, Look, behold, the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. They, they heard that. 
and they go over there and they start following Jesus. And it's always been kind of amusing to me. Jesus turns around and says, "What do you seek?" Well, that's good. Isn't it? That's a good question coming from the Lord. And they said, "Where do you live?" <laughs> That's indicative of something. When you want to know where somebody's house is, I mean, I think they wanted to go. They wanted to be with him. They wanted to know something about him. Where are you from? Are you going home? Because we're we're thinking about stopping by. (laughs) You know, we we want to know a little more. And oh man, the grace! Jesus said, "Come see." See. So, it's, do, you, do you love Him? Do you know Him? Do you want Him? Do you desire Him? Do you want to be with Him? You want to know where He lives? Do you want to be there? you want to spend some time with Him? It's not just believing that He is. That's certainly necessary. Necessary, but it's not sufficient. Do you love Him? Do you love Him? Paul says, If anyone has no love for the Lord... What a word! What a word for the church! I mean, he's talking to a congregation in Corinth. He's not, he's not speaking out into the air, out in the marketplace here. Any of you people out there in the world have no love for the Lord? He's talking to a congregation. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. And it's going to be. It's going to be. And then he says, Our Lord, come. That's a prayer like like John's in Revelation. Even so, Lord Jesus, come. Maybe, in Paul's case, I don't know, I can't get into his head, obviously, but, but I just know that he, he just wrote what we call chapter 15 here about the resurrection. It looks like he's still got that fresh in his mind, and he's thinking, come on. <laughs> that's, that's stupid. I mean, he's, he's been laying out his insight about the resurrection and our resurrection existence, resurrection bodies, and how perishable is going to put on imperishable, corruption is going to put on incorruption. And his heart says, Lord, come. Come. And that's what people who, who love the Lord do. Because, again, you, you want to be with Him. It's like the, it's like the disciples saying... Or, the, the pre-disciples, they weren't disciples at that time, but they said, where do you live? <laughs> where do you live? We want to go be with you. Come see, Jesus said. Come see. Paul says, our Lord, come. Now he speaks to those who do love the Lord. The true church, not just the congregation. The congregation sometimes is a mixture Sad that that's the case, but I think probably um, more times than not, true. You get a you, just about any given congregation in any place, and you've got probably a mixture of 
saved and lost, people who love the Lord and people who don't. Now he's speaking to the genuine Christians. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. And maybe that's a, well, it's definitely a prayer, but maybe, maybe that's a prayer too. Maybe included in that is that God's grace would break through on these ones that don't love the Lord. Now, we certainly see that desire expressed by Paul in other places. So if you're thinking, well, you know, 22 is just really, really hard. It looks like Paul just wants to damn everybody. Well, no, I think he's saying this, this is the way it's going to be. If, if any of you don't, you don't love the Lord Jesus, don't have any love for the Lord, let Him be accursed. I mean, that's what's going to happen, in other words. And yet, he prays for the congregation for the grace of Jesus, which would, again, seem to me to include breaking through upon those who don't love the Lord so that they do love Him. And that's, that's the, the awesome good news of the Gospel, isn't it? We may have, in this room right now, we may have a mixture of saved and lost. And the good news is, that's bad. That if, if there are any lost among us, that's bad. But the good news is, that can be changed. That's, that's what God's grace does. He invades lives and hearts and changes hearts turns hearts of stone into flesh, takes dead hearts and makes them alive. No spirit gives them the spirit. Radical change. Dead alive. Miracle. Absolutely. A friend of mine came to me the other day and he said, I've been reading again through the Gospels and one thing just really jumped out at me. I said, what's that? He said, Jesus never met a funeral that He didn't interrupt. <laughs> including his own. And I said, <laughs> Amen. Amen. Widow woman's coming out of the city with her dead son. It's a, it's a what we call a procession today, but they're on foot. And Jesus is coming along with the disciples and just says, Hold, hold up, hold right there. <laughs> Stop the casket. Can you believe that? I mean, how disrespectful is that? You know, Just... Stop. It's the procession. He stopped the casket and told the guy to get up. <laughs> and he did. He did. And he shows up in Bethany at the funeral of Lazarus the wake. The, you know, I mean, he's been dead for four days. And he says, roll the stone away. Oh, man, he stinks by now. Just roll the stone away because, you know, I mean... He's fixing to come alive and he might freak out if, if he can't get out of there. <laughs> Roll the stone away. <laughs> I mean, I, I would when you, you wake, up, <laughs> wake up in a tomb. Get some light in there. Roll, roll the stone away because he's, he's going to come out of there. He's probably going to bust through there anyway if you don't roll it out of the way. You're dead and then you're alive. 
So yeah, the bad news is, you know, we're all dead in trespasses and sins apart from Christ. The good news is, He raises the dead. He raises the dead. So if you're in that condition now, you don't have to stay there. You cry out to Him for mercy. You come to Christ in faith and know His saving power by His grace, by His mercy. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you, Paul says. And then you hear again. I've been hearing it all the way through the book, but we hear it again. Paul's pastoral heart. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Think, think about this real quick before we close. The, the trouble, the trouble this church has caused Paul and themselves. And he says, my love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Again, not, it's not apart from Christ. It's not outside of Christ. But, but we're, all, we're all the church. We're all part of the church. Paul's saying, I'm closing this letter by letting you know that I love you. I want, I want God's grace to be manifest in your midst. And I want you to know that I love you. My love is with you all. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we do thank You for Your Word. Thank You for this book, the book of Corinthians, which, like so much of the Bible, is so painfully honest, exposing all of our faults, blemishes, rebellious attitudes, all of the ways that our sin manifests, they come to light. And yet, Your grace shines through and overpowers and overcomes. Dead sinners are raised to life in Christ and Saints who don't always look and act like saints grow and mature, press on toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ. And it's all by Your grace, all by Your power, Your working in us, with us, and through us. And Lord, we're, we're no different than the Corinthians in that we're all sinners. And we're thankful that indeed, in truth, Your grace is manifest. It's with us. We're thankful to be part of the redeemed, part of the church, part of the congregation of God. Because you love us. Again, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Dismissed.